0: Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me as always is...
1: Hey everybody, what's going on? It is Jason.
0: Oh, it's been a long week, folks. It has been a long week. And uh, my kids have also decided that they just want to be psychos, so that's been real fun.
1: Yeah, I don't know what their deal is. It's like they woke up the last couple weeks and just thought, we're going to be heinous little
0: kids right now. Oh uh, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. They're choosing violence, just repeatedly choosing violence. Uh oh, the joys of right her-
1: now. They should be sleeping, but they're upstairs jumping around. Yeah, well,
0: there is that. But at least they're in their bedroom and not bothering me for something right now. That's true. So then I have time to talk to you, lovely people, about games. Oh yes, and uh, we've got we've got some some good stuff to talk about. I feel like we've been playing a decent amount of games lately
1: yeah we have it's been nice
0: <laughs> I mean I've just been basically ignoring all the grading I have to do for like my 116 students and just like yeah they don't need their papers back it's cool because I want to live my life they'll
1: be there when, when you get them graded
0: <laughs> yes I just need to work on make sh- making sure that's before the end of the month when the semester's over details All right, well, let's talk about some news. And I've got two um, two games to talk about today that are very much with the, the theme of spring because it's wonderful weather out there. Um, and I've got one from Backerkit. That's right, Backerkit. I don't know anything about Backerkit. Um, my reporter in the field, FanZero, he brought this one to my attention. and It's a good one. And the game is called Wild Gardens. Uh, This is by the same company, I want to say.
1: Rose Gauntlet, I think, right? I don't know.
0: Yes, Rose Gauntlet. Um, That made Keystone North America. Which I think maybe I talked about when it was coming out.
1: Yeah, I think so. Sounds familiar.
0: It does sound familiar. Um, One thing about this game gorgeous. Such cute, pretty art. Very interesting. I like the look of the cards. Um, I like the look of the tokens. There's lots of really pretty stuff going on. Even the color palette, I really enjoy. So this is kind of what appears to be in a lot of ways just from the outset, because again, I don't know how to use backer kit uh, or the internet really, is a worker placement game where you are collecting ingredients because you're out in the wild garden. So you are foraging for ingredients and you kind of move along this like the the game board is this really pretty garden path. So you forage for those ingredients and then you are going to use them to cook recipes and there's like really pretty interesting recipes actually like um like tea berry ice cream or um gosh I saw a bunch of really interesting ones noodle dishes like it's not just like oh I'm gonna make like a sandwich like it's it's not it's not like that they're more interesting like actual recipes that you're like oh maybe I would want to make that which I, I like like I mean it's light on realism obviously but like black trumpet toast lion's mane cakes pine nut pesto pizza so really picking up on the items that you would forage in a wild garden outside setting which I think is a a cool like thematic thing to do Uh, then you're going to make that recipe and serve a guest um, and then you're, you're kind of matching what the guest wants with your recipe and they give you um some scoring, some special powers, which is cool. Then you can visit the library, which gives these really adorable books, which I feel like are like cookbooks that you can use. I don't know what you can use them for, but they're cute. Um, and I don't maybe they help you power up your abilities because you do that too. You get better skills in your foraging, <clears throat> in your cooking. So you can kind of go your own way with that, which I love. And then you've got like you rest at the end of a day and you can get bonuses for resting, which isn't that a great lesson for all of us to learn in life? You get a bonus in your life for resting um, and you can visit locations. And some of them are like Columbus, Ohio and Bloomington, Indiana, which are very close to us. And I think that's really interesting. Uh, real locations that when you're at those locations, I think everyone goes there and you're foraging. They give you kind of special events almost that happen in that round based on where you are, which I think is like wicked cool. What's even more interesting, because I know a lot of our friends that listen to the podcast are solo gamers, that this game has a solo experience that's like a storybook, it's, it's story driven, it's narrative um, to like kind of give this puzzle scenario um, to go with it if you wanna play solo, which I think is really, really cool also they have an adorable plushie that I don't know what it has to do with the game and all but it's really cute it's like this it's called little one it's like this little fat seed bottom with eyeballs and it has like a little flower for a head it's really cute it's adorable uh (laughs) completely unnecessary but adorable so if you like the idea of like a narrative solo or really cool foraging ingredients, bark, root, nut, leaf, aquatic fruit, flower, and fungus, beautiful color palettes, uh, general contract fulfillment kind of stuff, check out Wild Gardens on Backerkit. There are five days left on that campaign, and it's 50 bucks.
1: Yeah, I, outside of what you said and just a little bit of research I've done, it, it looks good basically by the box art looks amazing and the components look good but yeah i don't i haven't really dove into the game too much but it's what you said the game is sounds pretty cool so i'm interested
0: yeah i don't know what the library books do on the library board but they're cute and i like them uh the other game i want to talk about is awesome nature and foraging themed but it's on kickstarter and this game is called mycology It's about mushrooms and fungus, which I love. Now, there's some people are like, ew, I don't eat this stuff, it's fungus. Yes, and it's delicious. Um, Another interesting thing about this game is that it is created by a professor from the University of Toronto who specializes in fungi. I mean, if anyone is hearing mushroom jokes, if anyone knows about them, it's this dude so uh he also owns a biotech company called sporometrics
1: man he's really into mushrooms he
0: is really into mushrooms he also <laughs> has been a, a consultant a mushroom consultant for the ontario poison center for mushroom poisonings dang and a medical laboratory on clinical fungal diseases i mean this dude knows his he's fungus legit. He he's is,
1: like the in, end all be all on mushrooms
0: he is mr mushroom himself james scott So in this game, which like, I was like, oh man, gosh, this dude's really into mushrooms. It looks really fun. So you have this season board, which is very important because you can only collect so many mushrooms per season and you need to collect um, the amount of mushrooms per season required uh, because that's how you end the game, right? So the active player rolls the dice, there's two dice. Um, If a seven's rolled, you advance the season token to next season, so it's like this little rondelle of seasons. Um, And then with the other rolls, you're going to collect a resource at the top of your board, which is kind of cool because it's stuff that you need to grow fungi like um, wood rot or a plant parasite or dirt or poop or, you know, which I think that's really funny because it's what you need because then you're going to try to harvest mushrooms by using those um, resources so you can collect mushrooms they give you points um and you have to pay those ecology resources and they give you like feast tokens um and they're different co- and then the mushrooms go into your basket which is on your player board and there's a basket for each season because in winter not so many mushrooms you only you have to collect one winter mushroom two in spring three in summer and four and in, in fall which is when there's a lot of mushrooms but there are also poisonous mushrooms, which are very interesting, but you have to be careful. So they'll give you a poison token. And it's like at a certain time. So like the death angel mushroom will give you a poison token every time you collect like soil or poop. And you cannot get rid of them, at get rid of the poison tokens that you have. And they're worth negative two points in the, the game. So, like the poisonous mushrooms, like are kind of easy to collect because they don't require a bunch of of resources, um, and they are good points. But you c- could get poison. Uh, there's also like stinkhorn cards, which are like these stinky mushrooms. They smell bad, and so. If you have them in a particular basket, it keeps other players from taking mushrooms away from that basket. Hilarious. Um, And there's also magic mushrooms, which I think is also funny. Um, And the the feast token they give you can be like a wild resource which I think is awesome there's so much cool stuff you can then you have like a trading phase and then um so you're just working to collect stuff based on the dice roll um harvest mushrooms into your baskets at the from the appropriate season and trying to get points for said mushrooms to get the most points I love that like I like it's also one of those games and we play a lot of games with people that don't game a ton um ga- games that give everybody something on everyone's turn I think go over really well. So the fact that everyone's collecting an ecology resource um no matter who is the active player that keeps people engaged, that keeps people thinking. Um I also freaking love mushrooms. I mean, come on. I I just think that's an interesting Topic that nobody approaches. And this dude knows mushrooms, man. I mean, he knows. This guy is the Shroom King. It's it's pretty cool. Um, and the artwork is really neat. The way they show the mushrooms. And I'm assuming they're all accurately depicted. Because, again, the Mushroom King himself developed the game. Like, designed the game. Uh, the art, it, But it is so pretty. The board has this really fanciful, like, fat toadstools on it. So cute. And... It just is like where I want to live when I become a bog witch Um, after the kids have moved on and Jason's dead. And I'm just going to, you know, live in this boggy forest that has mushrooms in it with my cats and my books and not talk to anyone in the world. It's my goal. It's on this box right here of mycology. Uh, So the game is really cool. It's got great reese components and stuff, too. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. So if you're intrigued by mushrooms or um, just kind of that contract fulfillment, but with uh, Dice kind of giving out your resources, check out Mycology, the board game of mushrooms. It has four days left on Kickstarter, so don't sleep on this one. Uh, the board game of foraging for fungi, excuse me, it is $50 also.
1: Yeah, I mean... I'm it sounds good, but, but mostly I think if I play this game maybe I'll be as good at mushroom knowledge as that guy. That's what I'm hoping. It's
0: amazing. I mean, I love mushroom hunting. It's really fun. We used to do that a lot for morels, which is getting close to the time for them.
1: Yes, yeah, I do love that.
0: Rainy and it's getting warmer. Um, so I think it looks like a fu- a fun theme that people don't explore and I who I mean I want to know more about mushrooms when the apocalypse happens and everyone's like hey we have no system no grocery stores we're going to be foraging and I need to know which mushrooms are going to kill people and which mushrooms are not
1: well it sounds like that guy's going to be the safest guy in the world
0: dude for real we're gonna to have to look him up like we're going to Toronto everybody we got the mushroom king
1: it would be a Canadian
0: <laughs> he's got time to look at mushrooms
1: <laughs> yep
0: all right, that is all that I have for news today.
1: All right, so like Katie said earlier, we've been playing a lot of games, so we're going to talk about three today. And the first one is a space theme game because you know how we love those here. Uh. Um, our friend Chris snuck it in. He tried to tell us that it was about farming, but he's a liar. It's about space, uh, and the game is called Among the Stars. This is a drafting game where you are basically building a space station and it it kind of feels seven wonders ish. What drafting means is if you don't know, you're going to get a hand of cards, you're going to keep one and then you're going to pass the rest of the cards to the player on your left or to your right. And you're going to keep going until all the cards are gone. And you're trying to get these cards situated in your space station to score points like some of the rooms want to be next to other rooms some of them want to be next to like a reactor some of them you have to spend these energy cubes to build some of them are going to give you points at the end game for other people's um, stations for rooms that they may or may not have a whole bunch of that kind of stuff and you're going to play through three rounds and whoever has the most points is the winner it's pretty simple other than trying to figure out where to put your rooms but the gameplay is pretty good cards are square Um, I didn't actually mind the space theme, but I don't mind it as much as Katie. Um, And I thought this was, it was like Seven Wonders, but I liked this one a little bit better because it didn't have the, some of the convolution that Seven Wonders had. This was a more, I don't want to say straightforward, but a, a less convoluted version of a drafting game where you're taking a card and you're trying to score points. There's none of this, you know, fight the people to your left and to your right. Whoever has the most military scores points. If I get to this seven, um science first. I went none of that. Just play a card, score some points, and it was a good time. So, I enjoyed this one. How'd you feel about this space game?
0: I mean, technically there is some of that. Like, there are cards that say if no one else has this same card, you get points.
1: I mean, sort of, but yeah, it's all at the end though, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, You know what? I, I didn't mind it. I wish it wasn't space theme because I'm like, oh gosh, we're building a stupid space station. Like, there's so many other ways to do this theme, uh, to theme this game, but you know, I don't mind it. it. Again, it has that idea of whatever mechanic it is that I like, where you are trying to get the cards to like fire off of each other in order to make the most points. It was kind of restrictive though. Like, some of the best cards, even like, they're expensive, so that means that would kind of deter you from buying a bunch of them, but um, you, a lot of them are limited to only having one in your space station, which I thought was a little arbitrary of a restriction, but okay, whatever.
1: Well, I mean, those are usually worth, like, eight points, though, right?
0: Right. So, if I have, but they were, like, the most expensive cards, so if I have the money to buy them, I should be allowed to have
1: yeah. I mean, yeah, I can see that. That's true.
0: I don't, maybe I'm just mad because that's sort of what I wanted to do all the time. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wanted to obliterate everyone. But uh, despite being a space game, and while I would have loved it to be a different theme, I still like that idea, again, because I, I like saying, okay, which of these cards is going to give me the most points and how can I play it to to my advantage, um, using what I have, meeting like some overall in-game goals as well. Um, and again, going your own way, absolutely. Like I'm like, well, I don't, I'm, I don't really want military because I had a card that said for everyone who had more military than me, I got like two points. and I was like, dude, okay, leaning heavy into that. And uh, like Chris was like, I'm doing all military. I'm like, okay, cool. Like I, I think that that I like that because it's nice when, again, I love multipass to victory. and this game certainly has that. So yeah, I, I liked it, despite being space.
1: Well, there is a non-space version called Fields of Green, which is farming. I just don't know if he had that one or not. Not sure.
0: Well, I would like to play that one because I like farms.
1: Yeah, it's the same game, I think. It might be a little different, but it's just farming.
0: I never get tired of farms.
1: <laughs> I I love farming. It's a Midwest theme, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah. Space. And apparently
1: Ger- yeah. a German theme. <laughs>
0: yes, The Midwest and the – well, again, a lot of people that live in the Midwest are descendants of people that came here from Germany. So there's that.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. So moving on from space, we're going to go back to – I don't know. That was a terrible transition. We're going to go to Middle (laughs) Earth. Nice job. (laughs) And we played uh, a deck builder called Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring deck building game. And this is from Cryptozoic, the same company that does DC Deck Builder and some of the other themed deck builders. They have an NHL one that I really want to play. Um, And this is it's sort of DC Deck Builder, but the twist on this one is in the deck of cards that you can buy cards out of or whatever the term is, I don't know, I don't care, there's ambush cards that can come out, and they will hit the person, the next player. So if I buy some cards from the deck, it'll come out, new cards will come out. If there's an ambush in there, then it hits the next player. There's also some event cards in that deck that cost zero that if you happen to get lucky enough and they come out in your turn, you can buy that for free, do what it says, and then it's out of the game, which is pretty cool. Um, Yeah, apparently it's hard to find, but it's a really solid deck builder. It feels a lot like DC Deck Builder, but I like this theme a little bit better because Lord of the Rings is awesome. It's the movie Lord of the Rings, so it's got all those green caps and all that stuff. But it was a great game. I enjoyed it, and wouldn't mind playing it again. So how do you feel about this one?
0: Yeah, it made me really sad to find out this was, like, really difficult to get and, like, ridiculously expensive. Um, Because I love good deck-building games. And I know we played DC Deck Builder, but I don't remember it very well. Um,
1: Yeah, we played it a couple times.
0: Really? More (laughs) than once? (laughs) Yes. Crap. (laughs) maybe if i saw it again i would remember
1: it's basically this one with uh dc on top of it
0: (laughs) I, i get that but it's not jogging my brain i don't know um in general i tend to be a marvel girl um which is why i like DC Deck Butler fine, I guess. I think I probably liked it, but I I did really enjoy this. Um, it made me want, like, I decided my summer reading is going to be rereading the books because I kept thinking, "Oh yeah, this is so great. I love Middle Earth and um, everything is not quite as dark in the Fellowship because it it was there are um, versions of this game for all all the movies." I could have done without screen caps, I guess, because I would prefer original art or something um, based on the books. But the game was super fun because I love a good deck builder and this IP I also really, really love. So it was good. I I was like, Jason, come on, man, you got to find me a copy of this. Um, I don't think it's going to happen.
1: Maybe in trade, probably. Just the first one. Those other two, probably not. But the first one. Probably.
0: I don't care about the other ones. I just, the first one's good enough for me.
1: Yeah, it needs some of that quality art, like in the Lord of the Rings game, the co-op from Rainer Knizia with Fatty.
0: <laughs> I thought that's what you were talking about. So then I got really confused and you kept talking about the deck builder game. I was about to go, no, it's not. And then I'm like, oh, he's no. talking about a different game. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I actually like the art in that. But yeah, it's definitely not screen caps and more based on the books.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, so next is actually probably, I think it's the newest game of all three of these. And, yeah, I think it came out at the end of last year or early this year. I have no idea. But it's called Trekking Through History. And this is the third game from Underdog Games. It's in, like, the Trekking series, I guess. There was Trekking the National Parks, Trekking the World, and now Trekking Through History. There's also Her Story, which is adjacent to this, and in this, what you're trying to do is you're trying to build a timeline of different events in history that you have visited. That's kind of the theme. And the way that it works is you're, you're you had this piece on this um, like clock that has 12 hours on it, and you're going to be acquiring cards. Each card has a time cost, and you're going to have to if you take a card, usually the better they are, the more time they cost. You have to move your your little stopwatch around the, the hour tracker, that many spaces, but there's also these gems that you can use to decrease the amount of time spent. When you take a card, it's also going to come with some kind of bonuses, which are these little tokens, and what you're trying to do with these tokens is put them on this little board you have in front of you. I forget what the, it's called like an itinerary, I think, and basically what you're trying to do is just fill in rows and columns to score points. So you're trying to build a timeline with as many cards as you can, always going a higher date, a, a more recent date than the card before it, and getting those tokens to fill out those um, those bits in your itinerary. If you ever have to take a card and you can't go higher than the date you have on there, you have to close out that timeline and start a new one. You're going to get points for a, um, a certain number of cards in your timeline. The more you get, the more points you're going to get. And you're going to do that over three rounds, which is three different time periods. That's the the theme. You'll get three different itinerary cards. And then whoever has the most points after all that is done. Great production. Uh, it comes with an awesome playmat. Great art. Um, I think the game's kind of a little too simple, uh, but it's, it's okay to play. It's real quick and I don't don't hate it or anything, but I would like it to be a little bit deeper, I think. But other than that, I enjoyed it. So how do you feel about trekking through history?
0: I really like this. Um, my one complaint really is it's too short because I like it so much that I wanted more of it. Um, I think there's enough complexity with your choices and like, you're really trying to go to more and more recent events. Um, and sometimes that's just not what's going to come out. And deciding when to take that gap in time is important. Or even trying to just take like um, like a wild or I forget what that one thing is that you can take.
1: Ancestor cards.
0: And, yeah, an ancestor card to see if maybe something good will come out. Like I, I, I like kind of that strategy or of trying to maybe take multiple turns in a row because you're taking smaller cards to allow you to get the dates that you want. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I just wished it wasn't so short because I was like, man, I want to keep playing. I'd like another era or two. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I I yes, it was it's pretty simple to play, but I don't think it was overly simplistic.
1: It's definitely a good game that anybody can play. That that's what I like about it. You can play this game with anybody. And, you know, if you've played timeline. Mm-hmm. I think you could probably bump up to this game and be okay. It's that kind of deal. Uh, so that I do appreciate, and it looks fantastic on the table. It does. So, it does. Yeah, it's it's a solid game. It just It's not something that I'm going to want to keep bringing out over and over and over. But I'll play it if somebody wants to.
0: Well, and some of the cards are funny. Like one of the events is like uh, compare your height with Napoleon or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is funny. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah.
1: All right. So those are three games that we played. We will keep going.
0: All right, so we teased a little bit in our last episode that we are going to have kind of, I don't know... bookend episodes, if you will, when we discussed deduction uh, in our last episode, which if you haven't listened to that, uh, go back and hear me rant on and on about my deduction skills and how much I love playing Sherlock Holmes. Uh, otherwise, uh, we thought we'd talk about completely separate social deduction, which in some ways is similar in that you are trying to figure out through process elimination in many ways who is a certain type of person like us, has a certain role um but yes it has that element of a lot of player interaction of reading other people um and this is jason's favorite game type i mean he oh yeah loves i love it. it
1: i could have made a top 1000 of these
0: <laughs> so since he loves it so much i thought i'd let him kick off our top three favorite social deduction games
1: yeah, so I don't really like these games. Um, I prefer games that actually have more game to them. I don't, I'm don't. i not good at judging people's like um, bluffing and mannerisms. It's just not how I work, but there are some that I like, so let's talk about a few. And just a side note, Blood in the Clock Tower will not be on my list. Sorry. <laughs> so my number three is actually, I don't know, of all the ones on my list, probably the one I've played the most, maybe except for one on yours um and it is secret hitler and this is it's a fairly simple game so don't let the theme dissuade you what this is is it's a a game where people are going to be on different teams there's going to be liberals which are the good the good side and there's going to be fascists which are the bad side and in that fascist side there's also a role of hitler which is an adorable little dinosaur so you're not actually hitler you're a cute little dinosaur and what you're trying to do is the if you're The fascists, you're trying to pass enough laws. And the way the game works is someone's going to be chancellor, I think, or president. I'm not sure of the roles. And they're going to take a couple tiles off the top of the deck. And they're going to give some to the player on their right. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to get the laws that they want passed, but you're also trying to play the table and make it seem like you didn't have a choice in giving the tiles that you did to kind of bluff some of that stuff out. And the goal of the game is the liberals want to kill Hitler and the fascists want to get Hitler elected chancellor, I believe. And once one of those things happen, the game is over. This game is just crazy. It always causes like crazy stories. You've heard about me calling Katie a line piece of trash numerous times it happened in this. It's fantastic. Not a game I want to play all the time, but when I do play it, I have a great time. And the components are fantastic in this. So nice wooden like plaques, wooden um, like legislation tiles, all that kind of stuff. So good. I like it. My number three, Secret Hitler.
0: I like this, too, until my husband, who happens to be Hitler and who I called out straight away, calls me a lying piece of trash in front of our church friends.
1: I don't know if you know this or not, but Hitler was ruthless. So I'm just getting into character.
0: He was a lying piece of trash, which is what I said, <laughs> that you were the lying piece of trash.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I do know a lot of people don't play this game because of the theme. But don't let that dissuade you. The theme is kind you know, it's social commentary, kind of. But the game is really good. Super good.
0: Yeah, it doesn't really dwell on it other than it's a name. It,
1: it doesn't. But yeah. you can
0: also do the print and play for Secret Voldemort or if... Magic of Secret
1: Emperor Palpatine to if it. If magic think, or, offends
0: you, yeah, try Try yeah. try one of the many other reskins. Yeah, I really like this game. Um I haven't played it since I had a bad experience with some poo poo heads.
1: Oh yeah. I didn't play that, did I? <sighs> no. Okay. I was like, it wasn't me, was it? But it, I do remember <laughs> you telling me about that. I it think.
0: wasn't you. And I was like, seriously? <laughs> Like they acted like the game was the hardest thing they'd ever played in their lives. They didn't know what to do. Yeah, and and that's
1: what's hard. That's what's hard with these games is the people have to get into it, or they're not fun. Because the games are normally pretty simple. It's the interaction among the players, and they can really ruin it.
0: Well, evidently, I thought these people were fun, and that was my mistake because they were not. (laughs) They weren't at all. I was like, what a waste of my time. My number three is one that I really enjoy and Jason does not like for some reason. Um, but I, I, I've played it a decent amount and maybe that's why he doesn't like it, as we played it quite a bit because I really loved it. And that's Deception Murder in Hong Kong. So in this game, you have someone who is the forensic scientist, I believe, or something like that. A name similar yeah, to that. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And, um, You have someone who is a murderer Uh, and sometimes depending on your player count, there's an accomplice and a witness and there's some other assorted roles that can be handed out depending in this place up to kind of a large group. Um, In front of everyone are sets of cards. There are cards that are um, weapons cards and cards that are evidence that's left behind. So what happens is the, everyone closes their eyes, the murderer will point to two objects in front of someone that, or in front of themselves. Yeah, in front of themselves. That will be the weapon they used and, and the evidence left behind. So then it becomes the forensic scientist's job to use these tiles and these bullets to try and help the other players figure out what those things are. Now, sometimes these tiles don't even make any sense. They don't relate at all. And you're just doing your best and you can't talk and you're just trying, man. You're just trying. So, and then, uh, the other, everyone else can use their token to accuse and like solve what they think is, um, both the evidence and the weapon to catch the killer. I think it's fun. Um, I love I love being the forensic scientist. That's my favorite part because I think it's really interesting. Like, How do I guide these freaking people who don't seem to understand what I'm trying to get to to get to the actual evidence? Um, sometimes they're like, don't understand that I'm their friend. I'm working for them, not against them. <laughs> um, but I think it's fun. I've been the murderer before. The last time I played this, um, I also had not so good experience. Because I played with someone who was like, Oh, I know you. I know your tells. You're the killer. Like outright. And I'm like, that's not how you play the game. You just have to figure out the, the things. And also, no, you don't know me. You think you know me, but you don't know me. So I was really irritated. Um by that point. I do of hate play. people
1: like that. They get on my nerves.
0: It was annoying. I'm like, what the heck is wrong with you? Um, but the game itself I think is really fun and it can suit a lot of people. And it's not like again, the deduction is not overwhelmingly hard and you can kind of work together and you're talking it through it with people. Like, what do you think that means? Like, okay, well, if it's related to technology, like there's this wire over here, there's this fax machine. Um, What does that even mean? Like trying to get, get those, all those things to kind of go together, I think is, is cool. So I really like deception murder in Hong Kong.
1: Yeah. I think I played it once as the like clue giver or whatever that role is forensic scientist. And I do like that better Mm -hmm. in this one. Uh, I don't know. It feels like there's more game there. The other one, because this game really is just people arguing with each other, trying to prove their point. That's the whole game when you're not the forensic scientist, because there's no bits to move. There's none of that stuff. It's just looking around at the stuff and trying to sort out, you know, shout at people and figure out what's going on. All right. So my number two is, does have some gameplay. And it plays up to like 10 people, too, which is cool. And it's called Growl. And this is from Vigor Games, I think, Vigor Games. And this is a play on the game Werewolf, which means, you know, people are – there's somebody's a werewolf, and they're trying to make everybody else werewolves. But the way you're doing it in this is do some card play. There are going to be a certain number of people who start out the game as werewolves and they're trying to infect the others. So the others are trying to figure out who's a werewolf so they don't get, you know, they can stay away from getting those cards, try to kill them, give them enough wounds first. And you're trying to collect gold. If you're on the winning team, you get gold and you're trying to remain a human because if there's any humans alive at the end of a round, all the humans win whether they're alive or dead. Um, Pretty simple little card game. But it's a lot of fun. It can get kind of crazy, too, people yelling and all that stuff or playing crazy like they shouldn't (laughs) be playing.
0: Yes.
1: And it's just a good time. Um, It's not even the deepest game in the world, but it's enjoyable. And as far as social deduction go, I like it. So my number two is Growl.
0: Yeah, there's some interesting choices. And then also like the night effects that can have people moving seats or revealing cards. Um, I think it's cool. Those events like really mix it up a little bit and make the game even more fun. Yeah, the last time I played it, like one guy it was,
1: was it was all ten players too. It was awesome.
0: One guy was a werewolf, and but <laughs> he was like killing other werewolves. Like he was just, like, "I'm a total <laughs> renegade, man." And I'm like, "I I don't even know what to say to that." Like, okay, I,
1: <laughs> it was it was it was pretty awesome. It
0: was crazy. Uh, my uh, number two is a game that i've played for a long time it was one of our early editions and it's really simple to play but sometimes you get some really tough choices and i love that about this game Um, i'm also a big seiji kanai fan and that is love letter um we have a couple different versions i prefer the like big deluxe i don't know what that one is
1: just deluxe love letter deluxe edition
0: Okay, I like the Love Letter Deluxe Edition. I like the like Terra sized cards. It comes with sleeves. They have the letters on the back. That's cool. Um, It's got like two, like almost two different sets of cards possible for each number, which I think can mix things up a bit if you've played just the basic version a lot. Uh, But the basic version is great because it's just a small little bag that can go, you know, in your purse and you can play it like while you're waiting to be seated at a restaurant or while you're waiting for your food or something, because all you're doing is drawing a card and playing a card. That's right. That's it. Um, but part of it is you're trying to figure out who what card everyone has in their hand, because everyone wants to end with the highest card so that they can get their love letter to the princess. But each of the cards is a special power that forces you to show your hand or to exchange your hand or move things around um it just it's so simple in execution but just brilliant um and the artwork is cool it's just such a good game so it's my number two love letter
1: yeah and like it doesn't have a normal social deduction feel but you can still kind of bluff and stuff in this and try to like you know throw people off a little bit so I, I think it works for this i think it does
0: thank you for approving my choice i do approve do not you man so my, number, my choice
1: yeah you're welcome i, I had to do that
0: piece uh, my piece
1: of trash my number one <laughs> my number one i actually forgot about it and we were on a walk and we were talking about it <laughs> and i threw it on my list and it is called detective club and this is a game where you're telling these stories with these weird like Dixit style cards, which you don't know what Dixit is. It's this game that has really funky art cards, which this game also has. But the, the social deduction comes in is someone's going to come up with a word, say like, I don't know, Apple, air, Apple. Yeah. Apple. And you're going to write that on all of these little notepads except for one. And then you're going to shuffle those up and you're going to deal them out. And, someone's not going to know what the word is, but they're still going to have to play two cards from their hand based on what other people are playing who know the word to try to figure it out. Then once everybody's played two cards, they have to try to explain why they played the card that they did once they know the word, because we'll reveal the word and then you're going to be telling your story. And then people are going to vote on who they think was, I don't forget what they're called, like the traitor or suspect Mm -hmm, or something you're going to vote on the person that you think is the suspect. And if you get it right, you get some points, um, all that kind of thing. It's got some funky scoring, but that's the gist of it. Um, it's, it's super fun. Some of the stories that people come up with when they have no idea, some of the cards they play are hilarious. They'll get caught up on like once one aspect, like red and the words like, you know, blue sky, like sky or something, but there's a lot of red in these cards. So they play a bunch of red. Uh, it's, It's crazy, and it's fun to try to figure out who the suspect is, and I enjoy this one quite a bit. Um, And gorgeous art and gorgeous production. No issues there. It's fun. It plays a decent amount of people. Everybody can play it, and there's some game to it, and that's what I want in a good social deduction game is some game. So my number one, Detective Club.
0: Yeah, I played this with my church ladies once, and they were really hilarious. Like (laughs) Some of them I'm like, who – who are you you just lied up a storm and i bought it i bought that story oh my gosh some of them i'm like i don't even know you anymore
1: the hard thing is sometimes though if you don't know the word and you're the first to have to say the story that gets real crazy yeah, but they show you
0: they show you the word if you're the first one i have to play a card sometimes yeah, that's after true. the pattern that's you're like uh there's <laughs> yeah, bubbles i'm gonna go with bubbles i don't know
1: <laughs> yeah
0: it's a fun game. It also has these little wooden um, magnifying glasses that I love to play with when I'm playing the game and not pay attention. So there's that. Uh, my number one, Jason had put this whole group of games on his list. And I'm like, seriously, we can't do that. Um, but I want to talk about my favorite of the group of facade games who are local peeps and we love to support them. My favorite social deduction game from them is Hollywood 1947. Is this out yet? Is this like a tricky one? Am I, should I uh, it?
1: it just got off Kickstarter. So it, it just hasn't. It's in the process.
0: Sorry, everybody. But I'm telling you, you want this game, right? Um, this game is about Hollywood kind of during like McCarthyism, the Red Scare. Um, everyone has a different job and a different role. So You can be a commie trying to get commie propaganda movies made. You could be a patriot or you could be like a rising star who's just wanting to get famous. They don't really care (laughs) if it's through communist films or regular patriotic films. Um, And then everyone also has a job and the job kind of gives you special powers that you can use um, during the game. So you are rolling to try to get the ability to add cards to the movie. Um, and those cards kind of dictate the agenda of the movie. Uh, the different types of movie themselves also have kind of their own leanings as well. So you're trying to use your special powers to get them to lean your way um, and and not really let other people know you're leaning because they will try to take you down um, if they're against you. And it's just like the production Gorgeous artwork, gorgeous. Like, it's so cool. It's so old Hollywood looking. And so, that is like mm, a chef's kiss, top notch. But it is really fun to be like, okay, how am I going to sway this? And it has that almost secret Hitler feel a little bit where you're trying to get a particular, um, like law passed, either liberal or, um, fascist but here it's communist or patriotic and so you're trying to find ways to get yourself to be able to play cards or change cards out or you know get those roles and those jobs that allow you to manipulate that so that your um, leaning movie comes out so that you can win it is it's so good it's real fun um, I, I feel bad that like it's not out. Um, but Facade Games, very reasonably priced, uh, amazing production quality. It will look so good on yourself. So when it hits retail, you definitely want to get it if you like social deduction. Uh, my number one, Hollywood 1947.
1: Yeah, and if you can't get this one, just find any of the other ones. They're all really good. They all have great production. Um, the company's really good at like taking party games that everybody knows and kind of like twisting them around a little bit. That's what they do, and that's kind of how this one feels, like Katie said, but... Yeah. If you see any of them, pick it up. You will not be disappointed. They play a ton of players and they're just good times.
0: Yeah. I'd say Hollywood 1947 is my favorite. And then maybe like Bristol and then Tortuga and then Salem. I'd say Deadwood is my least favorite.
1: Yeah. Deadwood is my least favorite too. The other ones are all around the same for me. I like Hollywood 1947 probably the best as well.
0: So those are our favorite social deduction games. To be honest, I had a little bit of trouble putting this list together simply because um, I prefer straight up deduction. Like I had tons of games on that list. And honestly, for me, I play a lot of deduction games as if they're social deduction, which I realize doesn't make sense. But I'm watching how people react to the clues they find, um, like maybe where their hand is when they're marking a certain paper, if they are marking something when two other people are exchanging information and it lets me know that they have some information like I'm always watching for those social clues which probably makes me I don't know some kind of psycho but that's just how I roll that's just how I roll Uh, so for me I'm like well a lot of games are social deduction even if they aren't labeled social deduction so I, I had a harder time also we don't really play a ton of these because again Jason doesn't like them uh because again watching people interpreting their like body language and facial cues not his strong suit not his wheelhouse um we probably should do like a couple episodes about the games that he really does like since he like entertained me with the deduction and social deduction (laughs) yeah what would it be like oh best Vito italians yeah like games with tracks our top five (laughs) games with tracks
1: oh man i can do like three i really could do like 300 of these i know our top five games with nobles yeah we joke around like that but i do like a lot of games like that (laughs) it's true i
0: know i'm serious um and i like deduction games so there we have it um but i know a lot of you really love social deduction and it's nice to have a few um to pull out when you have either big groups or again people that want to play a game um but they maybe don't want to get involved because they have a short attention span or they're talking and mingling and stuff or they want like a lot of player interaction, which is what social deduction really works well at is when there's that great player interaction. Um, So please give us your favorite social deductions. You can say Blood on the Clock Tower, but that game is stupid. And you're liars if you're saying it's the best game of all time. I'm looking (laughs) at you, Mike and Dan.
1: Man, that was a really pointed comment right
0: there. (laughs) I know. It's true. Okay, let me get on my let me get my Blood on the Clock Tower soapbox. I again like games that are like a lying, figuring others. I love that. Okay, so I went and play tested this Blood on the Clock Tower at a con. I I jump in. I'm like, okay, I know how to play games, right? This guy is meddling around this book or whatever. I'm looking at my character, what he does. I'm trying to figure out what other people's characters do. Um, There's so many that I can't quite keep up. Night phase happens. I'm like, I don't know what's happening because my character doesn't do anything at night. I don't think I don't even know what my character did, to be honest, still. And I'm like, okay, so so so-and-so died. Well, how do I know who wanted him dead? I don't even understand what, what he did. Like, I just... It's too much. It's too much. And then a lot of people are like, oh, shut up and sit down. Loved it. Yeah, because they were paid to love it. Because I watched them go on and on. They had this this big overproduced video about how they loved it. And then I was watching a video where one of them, I don't know, the one British dude, because they all are. uh, They're both British. I know. I know. I don't have like a boring and super boring i don't have names for them british and super british so i think it was just british was looking through his closet of games was like oh yeah here's this terrible game and you're talking about blowing the clock tower and i'm like i just watched a video where you praise it to the high heavens hmm interesting so i've noticed yeah
1: i'm not sure if that was a joke or not i've heard that they were just joking around about that but i'm not here to defend them because i don't really care but yeah i don't know
0: and it cost so much money it took forever to get out like there's no reason it should cost that much it i, yeah. I feel like it's super convoluted um when i think that something very similar like an ultimate one night werewolf works the same way and is actually Secret more Hitler. streamlined no no because there's all these different roles and something oh, like, that's like that that's true so that's what i'm saying like you don't need all this other nonsense and for it to cost twelve thousand dollars no you don't need this big a book people well, are lugging around yeah. with all the crap inside
1: and when I think about party games, you need to be able to get those up and running quickly, because you have big groups, and most of the time they don't want to sit around and hear twenty minutes worth the rules. Like you need to be able to crack open the box and get going.
0: Yeah, it's um, it, for me. It's yeah. just super niche, and yeah, you got to do research behind it. Like you can't just be like, "Hey, here's your here's your person. All right, and we're starting." No, no, no. I'm not buying that for a second. Would I be willing to try this again?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't play it the first time, but I'm still saying no.
0: <laughs> The guys at the board game run down keep saying I should try it, play again with them. I, I just don't know if I have it in me, to be honest. And I would be like the snarkiest person in the village, apparently. <laughs> I'm sure because of the chip on my shoulder about this game. But enough about that. I've given that I've given that game too much airtime already. I'm ashamed. See last week's episode where I talked just as long, if not longer, about Consulting Detective.
1: Yeah, you can skip that. It's fine.
0: No, it's so great. Oh, my gosh. You might talk about it right now. I'll talk about it again. I'll drag out my Consulting Detective soapbox.
1: No, I- I'll edit it out.
0: <laughs> you wouldn't. It's too much work. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Okay. Anyway, so this is Tell us about your favorite games. You know all of our social medias. We check them often. We love hearing from you guys. Um, we're getting awfully close to con season. So if you are you know, long-time listener, first-time commenter or something, and you're going to be at a con, let's hang out, man. Let's play some games. Uh, let's exchange stickers. I don't know. Let's get to know each other. I know Jason doesn't want any of that, and I'm just throwing it right out there. Yeah. Uh-
1: <laughs> Yeah, if you see us at a con, you can talk to Katie.
0: <laughs> Jason will stand awkwardly beside, <laughs> like, hey.
1: I will stand awkwardly beside and just keep browsing games. That's what I'll do.
0: That's that's actually true. That's super true. Yeah, I true. know.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm being truthful, yeah.
0: Um, but yes, we, we really like talking with you guys and hearing from everybody what you're playing, um, what you're doing, how you feel about games, because that's what we really care about. Talking about games, playing games, recommending games
1: yep i agree and we've been playing more games and it has been nice i am enjoying it i do have a stack i'm just looking around back here there's a stacker of you games that i gotta get on
0: mm. it's so. getting uh
1: it's getting kind of uh it's gonna overtake the back room here
0: yeah it's like my stack of papers waiting to be graded <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you'll get to those all right well it's getting late and i'm getting crazier by the minute so i've been katie and i'm jason keep gaming everybody keep gaming